Radio Krikon. Hello and welcome to episode 24 of Get Your Creek On, a podcast about Jonathan Creek. Thanks for joining me today for the Series 4 finale, the last appearance of Carla Borrego, Gorgon's Wood, when a priceless porcelain statue goes missing in unexplainable and physically impossible circumstances, Carla and Jonathan turn up to figure out what's happened and how. I would heartily recommend that you watch the episode prior to listening to this podcast. It'll help you visualise what's being talked about, understand all the references and get the most out of the sensationally hilarious jokes and citations. Jonathan Creek seems to come and go from BBC iPlayer here in the UK, but there is this thing out there called the internet which will no doubt be able to supply you with what you need one way or the other. Gorgon's Wood aired on the 28th of February 2004 and was viewed at the time by 8.07 million people. I doubt this bloke was one of them, but nevertheless he is going to introduce the episode synopsis. Episode Synopsis Like any good drama, the episode starts with a TV report about Japanese Shinto monks, presented by Bamberg Gascoigne. He interviews famous celebrity chef Owen Glendower about the priceless porcelain statue that he owns. He talks about how the statue's going on show for one month only in a small museum in Hertfordshire. After filming stops, Bamber looks through a collection of Owen's popular cookbooks as the chef talks about the tight security that will be afforded to the transit of the statue from his house to the museum. Elsewhere, Adam and Jonathan are in the house of an elderly couple with a lawyer. Apparently Adam's TV show on which he performs hypnosis has left the ancient Mrs Thrimpson in a permanently hypnotic catatonic state. Adam knows she's trying to con him for compensation and then begins to play along by attempting to bring her out of her trance. She doesn't budge though, much to Adam's chagrin. He and Jonathan leave and discuss the recompense that Mr Thrinsome is seeking for the whole matter, particularly in the area of loss of marital relations. Adam offers to drop off Jonathan at the launch of Carla's new fitness video and Jonathan mentions that she's going to be hosting a new reality show in which celebrities live in a pigsty for several weeks. He's horrified to realise that Adam quite fancies the idea and may indeed already have been contacted about it. At the museum, a couple of ladies prepare the venue for the statue's arrival. They are curator Thelma Bailey and her daughter Gillian. It's going to be placed on a plinth in an oriental tent in the middle of the room with, by the looks of it, no other attractions in the venue whatsoever. Two security guards turn up to check the place over before heading to collect the statue with Gillian. At Owen's house, he takes the priceless treasure from a safe and it goes into a wooden box, which goes into a metal box which is handcuffed to the two guards. Once at the museum, it's removed from the boxes and checked over again by the guards before Thelma takes over possession. She is clearly in awe of this paragon of pottery and asks for a moment alone with it in the tent, but after a few moments of meditation, screams 
impossibly, the statue has disappeared. At Carla's video launch, which seems to be going very well, Jonathan comments on the interesting connotations involved in a cross-promotional strategy of selling the video with free boxes of scented tissues. A woman approaches for an autograph and then asks for a photo of Carla with her very obese nephew. Meanwhile, Jonathan takes a call from Owen Glendower about the disappearing statue rumpus. Carla and Jonathan head to the museum and Owen explains more. He claims to know who has stolen it, implying that it's Thelma, and just wants the ruddy bloody thing back. Carla notices a tense glance between Owen and Gillian and goes to talk to her about what's happened. She claims that Thelma might not be able to speak to them about the matter right now because her whole face ballooned up in horrible pussy wheels shortly after the incident. They go to Thelma's house, where Jonathan's hesitant to talk to her because he really isn't very good at dealing with facial disfigurements and weeping sores. He heads to the toilet and, for some reason, detours into another room to poke through some old photos on a desk and a box of records by the likes of Engelbert Humperdinck and Jethro Tull. Carla talks to Thelma about Owen Glendower, and Jonathan browses through a couple of his cookbooks on a nearby shelf. They then discuss the location of her house on the edge of Gorgon's Wood, which is named on account of some carvings of little goblins on a beech tree in its centre. Jonathan and Carla take a walk through the forest, and Carla starts speculating that Thelma has hidden the statue somewhere within. While they bicker about it, we see an elderly birdwatcher surreptitiously watching from a hidden location. Jonathan and Carla reach the magnificent beech tree, and we get a good look at the carvings on it. There's also some letters carved into the bark, reading, Go to East 19. As they argue a bit more, there suddenly appears the sound of the old birdwatcher falling over nearby, suffering from terrible sciatica. He can't get up, so Carla and Jonathan literally drag him across the forest floor to his house, during which he admits having expected Jonathan's presence when a puzzle such as that of the missing statue cropped up. At his house, Carla attempts to perform some chiropractoring on him. The old guy talks about a talent in his family for remembering facts and figures, and that he has an abnormally large brain. Jonathan mentions how Engelbert Humperdinck and Jethro Tull has made him think about characters who've taken their names from someone else, and that Owen Glendower probably isn't the chef's real name. Somehow he then immediately figures out that Go To, carved in the tree, is actually two sets of initials and that Thelma Ogden, T.O., has a brother. And that brother is Owen, whose real name is, slash was, Gordon Ogden. He, when a little boy, carved the faces into the tree, and this somehow led to the woods being called locally Gordon's Wood by all and sundry, which somehow over time became Gorgon's Wood. All a bit unlikely and tenuous and eldritch, which is a synonym for strange. Thelma and Gordon were separated as children and sadly developed a heinous rivalry. This appears to have led to Thelma taking revenge on him by stealing his irreplaceable figurine. On the way out, the old man gives Carla his abnormally large brain as a token of thanks. It's someone else's brain that he keeps in a jar, a bit like Jeffrey Dahmer. 
Here's hoping the old guy didn't do other Dahmer-esque things to the owner's body. Gillian appears to have disappeared and Thelma goes out to the woods looking for her. She doesn't find her but she does find the old man's video camera. She glances at the last few seconds of recording and is absolutely horrified by what she sees. Meanwhile, in the lawyer's office, some tests are being done on Mrs Thrimpson to conclusively and legally determine whether she's faking her stupefied state. She doesn't crack and Jonathan has to deliver the bad news to Adam, who by now has begun filming the Animal Farm reality show with a bunch of other Z-listers, during which they need to drink milk directly from the pigs amongst other such stuff. After filming, Jonathan and Carla chat at her car. She offers to make him a meal with one of Owen's Lloyd Grossman-like pasta sauces and then provides him with some M&Ms. He has a realisation and Carla sees with horror that some nearby workmen have a copy of her fitness video on the dashboard of their white van. They drive to Thelma's house where Jonathan confronts her about how Owen is in fact her brother and has her admit that the statue disappeared because she ate it. Hold that gasp, here's what happened. Thelma and Gillian created a fake copy of the front half of the incalculably cherished statuette using a technique Owen used for creating edible toys with hollow chocolate shells, a bit like the outer coating of M&Ms. This was hidden in the transport box with the real thing and Gillian and Thelma surreptitiously made the switch under the noses of the security guards. Gillian had gone to Owen's house where he tried to ply her with drink and in a spare few seconds she made an imprint of the statue in a plasticine-like mould in a briefcase. She later used this to make the fake, replicating the correct hues using food colourings, a word which, contrary to the spellcheck on my PC, does have a U in it. All the E numbers within the colourings caused Thelma's skin issues after consuming the fake statue in the tent. Unfortunately though, Gillian has now disappeared and in rather icky circumstances. Thelma shows Jonathan and Carla the video recording that she found, which appears to show Gillian in the woods in flagrante with someone, the implication being that her companion is Owen, her uncle. Thelma talks about having confronted Owen about all this and how he's denied everything, but she really does not believe him. She rates through Gillian's diary for any information that might be helpful, and the only possible clue was an address written down on a scrap of paper with the letter D on it. Back out in the woods, Jonathan finds a recently dug hole in which something had recently been hidden, and he mentions how unlikely the sex with Uncle Owen thing is. Looking at the letters on the tree again, he notices four holes that have only very recently been drilled into the tree and definitely were not made by a bird. The pair of them head into London to check out the address from the diary, which is upstairs from a sex shop. When Jonathan goes into the purveyor of dildos, butt plugs and gimp masks to clarify where the flat's door is, he sees not only Carla's video in stock, but also a blow-up doll with her exact likeness. They head through the dodgy rear door and up the stairs into the dingy premises of what appears to be a prostitute named Dawn. They begin asking her about Gillian Bailey, 
but her pimp enters and aggressively makes them leave. As they go, they notice that Dawn has a bad burn-like scar down the side of her face. Back at Carla's house with Brendan out of town, she makes dinner for her and Jonathan and they discuss the mysterious Dawn. Carla forces Jonathan to eat some sorbet, which gives him brain freeze and, as she answers a phone call from Brendan, Jonathan's moaning in the background sounds like sexual euphoria. Suddenly though, during it, he has a massive realisation. Having checked that the pimp is out of Don's flat and at the pub, Jonathan and Carla return to the grimy apartment. Before telling them a strange tale, Don reveals the missing statue hidden safely in a bag. Apparently, one night Don was working the streets and saw Gillian trying to get a taxi. A car pulled up and had clearly mistaken Gillian for Don. Gillian realised this and later tracked Don down to ask her to help with something. It sounded weird but was a paying job so Don went for it. Owen had been trying to get Gillian to sleep with him so she arranged for Don to go round to his house instead and essentially pretend to be her by wearing a mask. Meanwhile, Don's pimp realised who Owen was and heard about his prized sculpture. He went to the museum and spied on Gillian hiding it in a bag. He then followed her out to the woods where she was stashing it and stole it from her. A confrontation took place resulting in Don being pinned to the big tree with a garden fork, which caused the new holes in the tree's bark and the camera, which had been left in the woods, captured the last few seconds of this compratome. Because it had fallen on its side, it looked like Gillian was lying down and screaming with pleasure, when in fact she was upright and crying in agony. At that moment, the aggrieved pimp returns to the flat and appears ready to kill all three of them. However, Don pushes him down the stairs, leaving him unconscious. As Jonathan and Carla make to leave with the statue, she trips and drops it, smashing it into a million pieces. We later see a breaking news report detailing the discovery of Gillian's body in a hollow log in Gorgon's slash Gordon's wood. We end in the lawyer's office, where Jonathan awaits Adam as they're again meeting with the Thrimpsons. Carla pops in and mentions an action she's taken against the copyright infringement in the making of the sex dolls with her face on them. The lawyer presents the bit of paper she signed to authorise it all, which turns out to have been from the book signing when the woman distracted her for the photo with her nephew. Adam turns up, still covered in pig shit from the TV show. The stench of it is the straw that breaks the camel's back of Mrs Thrimpson's scam and it rouses her from her faked coma, enabling the case to be thrown out. Episode Analysis The final ever episode to feature Carla and, much like Maddie at the end of series 3, there was nothing by way of a send-off for her. On the face of it, that seems a bit cruel, but to be fair, I think at this point it was very much unknown if or when the show would be coming back, and indeed it turned out to be the best part of five years before it did so. The dynamic between her and Jonathan was similar in many ways to the association he had with Maddie, but I for one didn't think the sexual tension was quite as intense or believable. 
Carla seems the type who would have been more drawn to rich corporate guys, a bit like her husband in fact. I really enjoyed the short spell the pair of them had together though, and particularly, as previously mentioned, the curt, sharp way she had of talking to Jonathan sometimes. There was a bit less of that in Gorgon's Wood, but in the scene where she threw out an unlikely theory off the top of her head in the woods, there was something very reminiscent in Jonathan's reaction to the way he used to chastise Maddie for not engaging her brain properly before talking. The cutaway of Carla with her mouth open just like the sex dolls was a real highlight for me. Uh, because it was funny, right? Not because it was arousing in any way. The central mystery around the disappearing statue was a really decent one, I thought, with a creative solution that I dare say not many folks would have seen coming. How likely it is that Thelma could have eaten that shell without the noise reverberating round the otherwise silent and echoey hall is debatable, to say the least, but I did admire how David Rennick wove in the details with the cookbook recipe in leading Jonathan to working it all out. Thereafter, there were a few bits and pieces that relied a bit on coincidence or flukes of luck. For example, the pimp guy happening to look through Julian's window at the very moment she was placing the statue into a bag and then heading outside with it. When he attacked her with the fork, you do have to wonder why she ran straight to the tree and stood with her back to it. That was just asking for trouble and a stabbing. And the whole thing around the address on a scrap of paper automatically being looked upon as an obvious clue that was uh, a little questionable too. Nevertheless, the pimp part of the storyline did make for apprehensive drama, and the easy way to resolve everything would have been for Gillian Bailey to be somehow found safe and well, but credit to Rennick for erring on the darker side of things. Owen Glendower was certainly shown to be a weird old pervert with his aching desire to have sex with his own niece. And you may have realised that this is in fact the second Jonathan Creek episode to feature Uncle Shagging, with the first being back in Ghost's Forge featuring the wayward Shirley and the creepy old burglar who ended up dead at the window. Owen was played by Michael Cochran, Gillian by Alice Patton, Thelma by Celia Imrie, the old ornithologist by David Morris and Mrs Thrimpson by Brenda Cowling. That was quite a funny little bee story this week, and while I'm sure the idea of a reality show featuring celebrities living in a pigsty seemed like a bit of a joke at the time, similar and indeed much worse concepts have subsequently been turned into shows. And no, I personally do not include this podcast on that list. The Celebration of Location Information Station The big old tree in the woods is at Frisden Beaches on the Ashridge estate near Hemel Hempstead in Hertfordshire. The wood has also been used in scenes for the movie Sleepy Hollow starring Johnny Depp and Christina Ricci, Ricci? Ricky? And also a little known children's film for children called Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, in which I gather the big trees referred to as the Whomping Willow, even though it's actually a beach. Unfortunately, the tree itself split in half in 2014 and fell over, so essentially now it's just a big pile of logs lying on the ground. You can however still go and visit the site. It's less than three miles from Gaddiston Place, which eagle-eyed listeners may remember was the big house at which the filming of Vivian Brodie's last scenes were shot in Satan's Chimney, 
when she was killed by the gun hidden in the axe. Another interesting location this week was the sex shop in which Jonathan saw the inflatable Carla Barrigo dolls. It's on the corner of Church Road and Preston Gardens in Wilsdon, North London. It's very near to Wembley Stadium and also just round the corner from Roundwood Park, which we visited in the previous episode, The Checkered Box. These days it's an Afghan bakery called Dunya AFG Bakery. They offer external catering for up to 50 people and if you're interested in that, you can call them on 020 845 11212. Just use the discount code GETCREEK for 0% off. Creek Connections At 16 minutes 48 seconds, we see that Thelma Bailey has a painting of a ballerina on the wall next to her bed. Ballerina is also the name of a 2016 animated film starring actress Elle Fanning, whose father Stephen played minor league baseball for teams affiliated with the St Louis Cardinals. The Cardinals' record for most ever bases stolen, whatever the hell that means, is held by Lou Brock, who died on September the 6th, 2020, one year to the day after former Zimbabwean President Robert Mugabe passed away. In 1967, Mugabe's first wife, Sally Hafron, went into exile for eight years in Ealing, West London. The UK postal code for Ealing is W5, which is also the name of a science and discovery centre in Belfast, the northern Irish capital city, located on the banks of the River Lagan, which is 53 miles long. 53 Miles West of Venus is a song by the new wave band the B-52s, who also had a hit with a cover version of Meet the Flintstones from the TV show The Flintstones, created by Hanna-Barbera Productions. Bill Hanna of Hanna-Barbera hailed from the New Mexican village of Melrose, which shares its name with a small town in the rugby-daft Scottish borders. One of Melrose Rugby Club's fiercest local rivals is Hoyk, who play their home games at Mansfield Park. Chris Mansfield played the uncredited role of the police officer in Gorgon's Wood. I think it was the guy who Jonathan discovered rooting around in the cupboard. Mercy me. Another Creek connection next time. Relaxation time. Tranquil, dreamy serenity. Thanks to this modern age of non-stop notifications and shallow narcissism, it can be easy to think that you may be helped in some way by meditation. Transcendental meditation, mindfulness meditation, 
progressive relaxation meditation. All are unique in myriad ways, but they're also all the same in that each and every one of them is a complete and utter con and a total out-and-out waste of your time and energy. You would literally be better off mentally and physically by committing arson inside an orphanage. The single fail-safe cure to any type of issues whatsoever that you may be suffering from is autonomous sensory meridian response. Murmured expressions under a tranquil, soothing, harmonic composition are an unfailing recipe with which to quench any hunger for serene wellness you may be experiencing, and when the words adopt on your anthropological canvas using Jonathan Creek-themed paint, well, the results are unequivocally guaranteed. How did Carla and Jonathan know the pimp was at that specific pub? Did they track him down by just driving round every pub in the area and he happened to be standing outside that one? Pretty bloody lucky. Why did a small boy called Gordon vandalising a beautiful tree lead to everyone calling the woods Gordon's Wood? It would have been more appropriate to call it Little Bellend's Wood after something like that. Jethro Tull's frontman Ian Anderson is actually a relative of mine. My mum's cousin was married to his brother, I think, or something like that. Apparently I met him once when I was really young, but I wasn't well versed enough in prog rock to ask him about the music, or the fish farm that he used to own. I don't think I've ever met anyone who keeps cookbooks in their bedroom, much less ones written by their estranged and much despised brother. Thelma Bailey did, apparently. I'll stop short of saying that she deserved a horrible rash in her face because of it, but it certainly was a bit weird. Bamber Gascoigne is the uncle of former England footballer Paul Gascoigne, and when Paul was young the pair of them would often kick a ball around together. In fact, it was Bamber who first encouraged the fledgling star to work on passing with his left foot as well as his right. Paul's talked at length about how this ended up being crucial to his subsequent success. Actually, no, none of that's true, it's complete bollocks. They aren't even related. Owen Glendower phoned Jonathan to come and investigate the statue's disappearance. And yet when he arrived, the chef was really sceptical and didn't have any faith in Jonathan figuring it out. I reckon he judged of the shaggy hair and the dishevelled appearance, just like Inspector Ted Parnovic did in the coonskin cap. Never judge a book by its cover, guys. You'll end up looking like a right twat. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Get Your Creek On, the finale of Series 4. 
you can contact the show anytime by emailing getyourcreekon at gmail.com or by Twitter, it's at creekget. You can also head to the website, which is getyourcreekon.co.uk. Please leave a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts as it will help more people find and enjoy the show. If you're asked to rate it out of 10, then please do not give it five because that will just make it appear mediocre, which, as we all know, is anything but accurate. After a bit of a break, we will return for Series 5, which commences with the feature-length special The Grinning Man. Just a heads up for all several million of you, Series 5 will consist of only three episodes and will be the final series of Get Your Creek On. The Grinning Man and The Judas Tree will be the final two standard issues, with a wrap-up episode thereafter. The thing about all subsequent episodes of Jonathan Creek is that Jonathan leaves magic behind, moves out of his windmill and marries an incredibly boring woman with whom he has absolutely no chemistry, and it really unfortunately sees the show go downhill, losing much of its magic. Nevertheless, there is still plenty to come with Sheridan Smith joining the cast next time out and a baffling mystery to solve pertaining to several people having disappeared from a locked room over a period of several years. It's a very, very good episode, so do not miss it. Otherwise, people will shout the following at you in the streets. No creak, you freak, baby. That's us for today. Thanks again for tuning in, and I will catch up with you on the flippity-flop side. Look after yourself, nerds, and I will see you soon. I'm Toby. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to Get Your Creek On. 